thank you for joining us this evening. I welcome you to the Bible study on Zion Hill Church family in Pineville, Louisiana. Glad you join us. For those of you that don't know it, we have been studying all the books of the Bible. We started from Genesis. Guess where we are today? We're going to be studying the book called the Songs of Solomon. Songs of Solomon. And my goal is to give you a big picture of what is going on in this book, the message, the lesson from it. And then I want to encourage you to go back and read the whole book once you get a good picture of what's going on. Now, let me start out by pointing out that the book of Songs of Solomon is X-rated. So if you're a little too religious and you can stand sex talk or love talk, I just ask that you forgive us tonight because it's in the Bible. I didn't write it. I'm just a mailman delivering the message. So this is a book about love, about sex, about relationship, and all those good stuff. Let me give you a good outline to start with. You know the book, you remember we studied the book of Job. Job is about suffering. Are you following me? Then we studied the book of Psalms. Psalms is about worship. Then we studied the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is about wisdom. Then we studied the book of Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes is about purpose, the purpose of life. Now we are studying the book of Songs of Solomon. It's about love and marriage. All right? So you can see each of these books in the Bible have its own focus, its own attention. You read that book of Job, you read about the suffering of of humanity and how you can beat the odd. You read the book of Psalms, it's about praise and worship, how you can worship God and spend time with God. You read the book of Proverbs, it tells you how you can live in in wisdom that you can you can you can operate in understanding in knowledge of the will of God. Then you get into the Ecclesiastes. They don't get to carry it away. There's purpose for everything. Now we are reading this book of Songs of Solomon, and it's about love and marriage. You might be wondering why on earth. Are we talking about love and marriage? Well, the simple answer to that, you need love. I know I need love. Ain't no shame in my game. <laughs> Everybody need love. Amen. You ever seen people say, I don't need no man. Sister girl is lying. <laughs> you ever see a brother say, no, I don't need no woman in my life. Homeboy is lying. <laughs> we all need love. 
We all want love. We all want to be appreciated and be valued. So you can see why this book is in the word of God. Also, let me begin to tell you to understand this book, you need to be aware there are four major actors and actresses there. How many did I say? See, four. The first one is a woman that the Bible referred to as the Shunammite woman. All right? And then the second actor is a wealthy man. Most theologians believe that that wealthy man is Solomon. Most people even credit the whole book as the book or the songs of Solomon. Well, I don't want to get too theological with you. I respectfully disagree with some of those analysis. Why? Because the whole book is about love and relationship between one man and one woman. And you know Solomon, homeboy had 700 wives. So <laughs> right up front, <laughs> homeboy is disqualified. But for whatever reason, he is given the credit for this book. So that's why we call it the Songs of Solomon. Uh, but when you get into the nature and character of what the man is saying, what the woman is saying, uh, you begin to wonder, are you sure this is Solomon? <laughs> but, but I don't want to get too, too deep with you today. I just want you to know the actors and actresses are four in number. Number one, the Shunammite woman. Number two, Solomon, or the wealthy man in the passage. Number three, then we have what we call the daughters of Zion. Some people call it daughters of Jerusalem. And number four, then we have what we call the brothers of this young lady. By the way, let me give you a, a picture of each of these players. The Shunammite woman is a poor country girl, just just ordinary sister. And the the gentleman in the book is a is a rich king. That's why a lot of people believe it must be Solomon. And then the the daughters of Sion are just other groupies, other young ladies. You know how, you ever been to a wedding? You will see the bride, and then there's a parade of several other women that hang out with some dressed up, some carrying flowers, same thing, the Bible. So these are his her groupies. These are uh, young, inexperienced, other young women that are uh, either saying, hey, you can do it, who oh, I'm with you. And then we have the brothers, and the brothers are more or less there to protect the young girl. They serve more like a, a covering. I don't know if you ever seen a family where there were boys and there are girls in the family, 
Typically, the boys would do their best to protect their little sister. So if you want to date their sister, you've got to deal with them. Uh, it, couldn't, it doesn't have to be a little sister. It could be an older sister. I know members in my church, even I, there's a young man in my church that says, anybody trying to date his mama, they have to deal with him. So my point to you is that boys tend to be protective of their sisters, they be protective of their aunties, their cousins, or whatever. So the brothers in this book, they're there to make sure that uh, the Shunammite woman, their sister, have sexual purity or that she's not been abused or violated before her wedding. So take note of all those four major players. And then the whole book can be divided into three sections. The first section is the time of courtship between that Shunammite woman and that wealthy man. And then the second section is when they actually uh, do what we call wedding. Like we have wedding ceremonies. And then the, the third section of the book is actually their marriage life. So you have the court, time of courtship, time of wedding, and time of marriage. So typically, like you and me, if you ever get married or you're in love, you can relate a lot to this book. And also, if you're married right now or you're planning to marry, there's a lot of lessons that you can learn from the book of Songs of Solomon. I'll be honest with you. You know I'm going to choose straight with you. I like to keep things 100. And whenever I read this book, um, my love life is energized. I begin to, to learn how I can be a better lover, how I can be a, a better man, a better husband, uh, or whatever. Maybe you're a boyfriend, or maybe you're a girlfriend, maybe you're a wife, you're a husband. So there's a lot of good things that you can learn from this book. Number one is that you can learn how to be a good husband, how to be a good wife. Number two, you can learn to be a good woman, a good man. Number three, you can learn to be a good girlfriend or a good boyfriend. You'll be amazed how many people are in love or trying to be in love but they just don't know how to conduct themselves. This is a good book. Another thing you can learn from this book is that it's a form of uh, allegory, for, for lack of a better word, of the relationship between God and Israel. Say, for example, God will be symbolic of that man in this book. And Israel will be symbolic of that woman. So the man represents God, 
the woman represents Israel, and the wedding represents the covenant between God and Israel. And you may be saying, well, pastor, I'm not an Israelite. I don't live in that Israel. You come to the, to, to the New Testament, you will see again Apostle Paul make a reference to that in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, beginning from verse 23 or so. You see Paul talks about the relationship between Jesus Christ and his church. The Bible describes Jesus as the bridegroom. And you and I, the church, we are the bride. And it's a relationship. There's a marriage. So the book of Songs of Solomon, I'm saying to you, is good for you in the natural. Let you know how to be a lover. Let you know how to treat your woman how to treat your man. And also in the spirit, it's a good book. It lets you know about the relationship of God and human beings, how much God wants to relate to us. He wants to covenant with us. He wants to marry us. So both in the natural and the spirit, the book of Songs of Solomon is deep stuff. So don't get carried away with all the sensationalism in the book. Grab hold of the natural lessons in it and grab hold of the spiritual lessons in it. All right? I actually can tell you, I believe with all my heart that if I have things my way, I would not allow anybody to get married until they study the book of Songs of Solomon. And I also would recommend it to those who are married right now. A lot of problems in our wedding, in our marriages, in our homes, a lot of dysfunctionalism that is going on can be resolved if somebody will invest the time to study the book of Songs of Solomon. It's not a very lengthy read, by the way. It's only eight chapters. You can handle that. You don't have to be a theologian like me. Uh, you can read eight chapters. And if you don't understand King James Version, get us a simpler translation and enjoy your love life. That's part of the message of this book. All right, let's get into it. How is this book written? You see, the first two chapters, chapter 1 and 2, which I call the courtship uh, part of the, the book, you see it start out with the woman talking about her desires, talking about her longing for her man, her desire for a man. She's talking about how much she's in love have you ever seen people that are truly in love? That's the way they are. I mean, when you see a sister that is in love, who? <laughs> Watch out, dog. <laughs> That's exactly what we see in the first two chapters of this book. She was talking about how she wanted to be loved, 
how she wants to be healed, how she wants to be with a man. And she talks about her beloved. I mean, she just bragging. Where I can stop there in her church. If you're a sister listening to me today, have you lost that feeling that you used to have for your man? That I'm talking about a time when you can't even wait to see him. I'm talking about a time when you wake up thinking about him. I mean, you're longing for him. You want him to touch you. You want him to hold you. You want him to walk with you. You want him to talk with you. Have you lost all of that? Well, sister, if you do, then you need to do some uh, reawakening. And it's not just for sisters alone, even brothers. I don't mind telling you, when I read this book, I had to go back to God and say, Lord, give me that feeling again. Help me to, to, to be more lovely. Help me to be more nicer to my woman. Help me to, 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 to be a better husband, a better dad. Because, you know, it's so easy to get caught in all the dramas of this world that you find yourself married. You live in the same house, but really the trio is gone. Are you listening to me? I'm trying to help somebody. I mean, throughout this book, it's not just the woman talking about his man, her man. I mean, the second chapter of that book, you see the man talking about his woman, talking about how beautiful that woman is, talking about oh, how much he adores his woman. He talks about his eyes. He talks about his nose. He talks about his mouth, her mouth, the kisses. I mean, ooh, I can just feel it right now. <laughs> you see, you got to enjoy reading the word of God. I mean, this is two people just bragging about each other. I mean, this man talk about the neck of his woman. He say, it's like a cedar tree, the, the cedars of Lebanon. I mean, can you imagine? That means that woman must be a, a tall I can just see right now. <laughs> they were having a good time just describing. He, he talks about her breast. He talks about her kiss. He talks about her eyes. Say, oh, when I saw your eyes, I just got glued. I can't look anywhere else. Now, the question is, if you're in love right now, brother, if you married, my brother, when was the last time you felt that way about your wife or your girlfriend? See, I believe this book is a call for revival of our love life. Isn't it sad how people are married, but they are in love with somebody else? There was a song about the trail is gone. 
isn't it sad to be living under the same roof and the only conversation going on is only about business? Who is going to pay the water bill? Who is going to pick up the kids from school? No romantic talk. No, no, no real quality time together. No, no, no real trail going on. See, I told you, this book can be very helpful both in the natural and in the spirit. My prayer for you today is that your love life will be rekindled. That was the prayer I pray for my own self. I told God, I said, rekindle my love life. I got so busy. Sometimes, I mean, I leave in the morning. I don't get back home until nighttime. There's just so much going on. And by the time I get home, I'm tired. I, I don't mean to bring my business. But I really want you to be helped. I want you to be blessed. I want you to know the Bible is not fairy tale. The will of God is for two lovers to enjoy themselves. How many of you see this woman say, oh, I long for you. Oh, hold me. Touch me. Sister, when was the last? Some of you don't even want your man to touch you now. You're busy running. Because your spirit has become dead. No real love. No real attraction. You're just paying bills. It is a shame. And then some people, after you have one or two kids, you just, you just put your man uh, on park. It's like a parked car. And you shift your attention all on your children. See, you don't see any of that in the book of Songs of Solomon. That book is teaching you and me, when you fall in love, don't fall out of love. Wow, I can preach that all day. When you fall in love, stay engaged. Enjoy each other. I wish I have time to, to, to teach you on this. When you get a chance, read the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Apostle Paul was writing a letter to the church at Corinth. They asked him questions about sex, about marriage, about uh, all kinds of stuff about relationship. And literally, it's in your Bible. Paul began to talk about being single, being married, talks about your behavior in bed, talks about your sex drive. I mean, it was, it was deep stuff. Unfortunately, most churches don't never touch this subject. One of the things that I love that is evidenced in the book of Songs of Solomon is how even when they passed the courtship stage and they got married, how the real life of a married person was demonstrated. The ups and downs. It's not always a good, happy day all the time. There were times that they were in arguing among each other. Uh, one, one time in, in that book, 
chapter 3 and 4, you see the woman had a dream. And in that dream, it's like her man is gone. And so she was searching. She woke up looking for a man. She, she, when was the last time you chased after your man? Many of you, your man would leave and say, oh, let, 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 let him go. And before you realize, you fool around and somebody else will take your man. Are you listening to me? This woman had some funny dream about her man gone on the street. Man, she got up. She went after him. She, she searched all over the place. She went all over the street asking, do anybody see my man? Looking until she found him. And they are back in business again. Hallelujah. Wouldn't it be nice that you and your man, you and your woman, your wife, your husband, you'll get back again and enjoy one another, not just physically, emotionally, that you become real buddies. The Bible talks about marriage as being two people becoming one. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. So shall a man leave his father and his mother and take unto himself his own wife, and the two of them shall become what? One. That you become so tight that you cannot be separated. Your marriage life should not just be a drag. Don't let anything rob you of your love life. Not even your children. Are you listening to me? Oh, I see some deliverance taking place right now. I see some healing taking place right now. Don't, not even your job. Don't get so busy that you can't have a love life. Not even ministry. Hello, somebody. Now you see why I had to pray and ask God, hey, turn it on again. I want to enjoy life, enjoy my marriage life, enjoy the blessings of God. As good as it is to have a job, your job can rob you of your love life. Are you listening to me? As good as it is to have a business, your business can rob you of your love life. As good as it is to have children, your children can get in the way of your love life and can rob you and steal your love life. That you become a professional babysitter for life. Even when they're grown, your children are 20, 30, 40, 50 years, you will still be running around because you them lost your love life and got consumed in motherhood. And now you have no lover. Then people get distressed 
because eventually those kids will be gone out of your life. They'll be grown. They'll go and start their own family, their own career. Now, for the time and you then lost your husband. Same thing with you brothers. You get so consumed with work. You get so consumed with business. You get so consumed with whatever. Where, what will happen when you get old and you can no longer work? Now you want to reach back and grab your lover, but you have lost your love life 20, 30 years ago. You know what I'm trying to preach to you today? Get back in love. Enjoy yourself. Don't miss the opportunity. Do you realize even the spirit, that's what God wants with you? God wants to be able to spend time with you. I hear the Holy Spirit speaking like a lover in this book. Say, I miss my time with you. You're the one who used to pray to me every day. You're the one who used to spend time with me. You're the one who used to come to church every Sunday. What happens to you? You're no longer in love with God. So imagine not just your husband in the natural, not just your wife in the natural. Imagine God as your husband. In the spirit, he wants to spend time with you. In the spirit, God does not want anything to get in between him and you. He wants to be close to you. That's why the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of its righteousness. All these other stuff that we allow to distract us, that we allow to rob us of our love life with God, that we allow to rob, of, rob us of our fellowship with God. He said, look, if you will learn to enjoy God and enjoy being in love with God, enjoy fellowship with God, God said all these other stuff will be added unto you. I, will, I, I don't mind you having a nice car. I don't mind you having children. I don't mind you having nice clothing or whatever, but don't let that rob you of your love both in the natural and in the spirit. If you allow anything to get in the way of your love, that's when you'll find yourself not being with your wife or your husband. You see, your wife would rather go out and hang out with some other ladies, or your husband would rather go out and stay out of the house all day and only come home to sleep. That's when you know the trail is gone. But the good news, ladies and gentlemen, that I picked up from the Songs of Solomon is that their life is like a roller coaster like any other marriage. Sometimes they are so close and sometimes they, they are separated. In fact, one time, this is a true story in the book of Songs of Solomon, that man came home and wanted to make love to his woman. 
And the woman says, oh, not today. I'm tired. Oh, I don't feel like it. Or whatever. He, she came up with some kind of excuse. Guess what happened? It's, it's like watching a real movie of true life. The man left home. Got angry and left. Went back on the street. And then it amazes me in chapter 6 and 7. After a while, this woman began to feel, feel guilty that maybe she denied him or maybe she, she didn't do a duty as a woman or whatever. But guess what? She did not do like you and me. She didn't have an attitude. She, she went on the street and looked for her husband. And say, baby, I'm sorry. Let's get back together. You know I love you. I know you love me. You know we're this, we're that. And she began to describe. And then the man began to talk back. And say, baby, he said, you're just as beautiful as the moon. You're just as bright as the sun. He said, you are shining. Your face is shining like a glow, like the stars. I mean, it is so fun just reading that book. When was the last time, brothers, that you look at your woman and you just, you just adore her and say all those nice things, baby, you all this and more? I mean, it just goes on and on and on. They were talking back and forth. And even when they messed up, even when they are separated, you know what is so good about this book? They come back together. They never give up on each other. This might be a time of healing for some married couples. You might be saying, dear pastor, you just don't know my spouse. You don't know my wife. You don't know what she has done to me. Or maybe you're a woman listening to me. You're saying, Pastor, you don't get it. If you only know what my husband has done, you would not be talking about it. Well, maybe I don't know. But the good news is that God knows. And the very same way you feel right now is the way God felt when we run away from him. When we fail to read our Bible. When we fail to spend time with God. When we fail to pray. When we fail to dwell in his presence. Some of us goes for days without saying hello to God. It's the same thing. God is so in love with us that he would rather see us glued to him every hour, every minute of the day. My prayer for you and me is that we will achieve three things from this book. Number one, in the natural that we rekindle our love life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
You say, Brother Pastor, how can we do that? The secret is found in the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verse 25. The Bible said the man and his wife were in the garden naked, but they were not ashamed. You say, huh? The Bible talks about people being butt naked. <laughs> I told you I love this book. <laughs> That's why I told you where you can read. Genesis chapter 2 verse 25 is talking about Adam and Eve. Husband and wife. They were placed in the garden butt naked. But don't forget what the Bible said. They were never ashamed. That word naked, in the natural, you know what it means to be butt naked. But in the spirit, it connotes that they, they were transparent. To be naked to each other means to be transparent to each other. No hidden agenda by either of them. And because they were transparent to each other, guess what happened? They trust each other. Most relationship today is busted because the man and the wife had no trust. Ladies and gentlemen, guess what we need to do? Rekindle the fire. Become naked to your woman. Become naked to your man. Well, I don't want you to start tweeting me tomorrow or sending me email. Pastor say we need to go naked. Uh, come on now. <laughs> I don't like people tripping. You know, all of you are getting get understanding. Yes, there ain't nothing wrong for you to go naked. If that's your man, hey, you better, <laughs> you better do your thing. <laughs> Enjoy life. But don't forget the spirit part of it. Can you be more transparent to one another? Can you be more open and honest with one another? Can you begin to develop that trust that's been broken? Let me explain it to you this way. You know, I say there are three lessons we can learn. One of those lessons is for all of us in the natural to, to fire, to fire up our love life. Put more oil in that lamp. Let the flame of love begin to burn again. That you, that you can miss your man. That you cannot afford not to talk to each other every day. And I'm not talking about casual talk. I'm not talking about elevator talk. I'm not talking about business talk. Who is going to pay the bill? Uh, did you check the mail? That's stupid. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm talking about love talk. I love your neck. Oh, I can kiss you all day. Oh, let's get it on. <laughs> you remember, I never will forget a few years ago, Marvin Gaye. I'm not too much into secular music. But Marvin Gaye released a song called Sexual Feeling. Who I tell you, when I heard that song, 
something rose out of me. <laughs> I couldn't wait to get home. The confession is good for the soul. You know what I'm trying to tell you? Don't miss out in your love life. If the devil is trying to steal your joy, your love life, go back and get it. I pray for restoration of your home. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray for restoration of your marriage. I pray for restoration of your love life. I pray that God will replenish you, whatever is missing, whatever is lacking. I pray that God will heal every wound and heal every brokenness, that God will bring you back again with your husband, with your, with your wife. I pray in the name of Jesus, the kind of joy, the kind of love that the Bible describes in the book of Songs of Solomon, I pray that will be your portion. I pray that you and your husband, you and your wife will enjoy your love life from now on. And, and I bind the attack of the enemy in your marriage life, in your family life, in the name of Jesus Christ. The second lesson I want you to learn is that just like I'm advocating for deep love, strong love between husband and wife, God wants to have the same kind of love life with you. He doesn't want his relationship with you to be casual or just business. He doesn't want to hear from you only when you are in trouble. That's like waiting for, for your husband or your wife uh, to do something. It's just business. No, God is not trying to do business with you. He wants to be in relationship with you. And he's saying that if you will come close, if you will fall in love again with him, all these other stuff, he's big enough to take care of it. Hallelujah. I feel the same anointing. Can you imagine, can you imagine my wife and I being so tightly in love, so emotionally attached, so close together, so niche? like the very first time we met each other? Do you think if we have that kind of relationship, if you have that kind of relationship with your man, with your woman, do you think money or material things will be an issue? Of course not. Of course not. Whatever I have is hers. Whatever she has is mine. I mean, we are too busy in love. We don't even have time <laughs> bickering on material stuff. That's the same way God is. God really wants to bless your socks up. What is more important to him, first and foremost, is that you fall in love with him. Let me say one more thing. See, love life is very simple. Imagine husband and wife, in the same house. And ladies and gentlemen, imagine that that couple have two kids. 
Everybody in love have these imaginary two kids. Everybody married. You have it, I have it. Let me tell you the names of those two kids. One is called Mr. Attraction. The other one is called Mr. Friction. Both of those children are in display in the book of Songs of Solomon. Both children lives in that house and you have to deal with them. As far as attraction is concerned, I'm suggesting to you, the two of you came together as husband and wife or boyfriend or girlfriend because you are physically attracted, you're emotionally attracted, you're sexually attracted, if the truth be told. Yes, indeed. I remember I was in church in Africa, and, and my wife, she was, she was a young girl, and she was on the stage singing, and she had something we call maracas, it's two, two sticks, and you beat it together uh, for rhythm. And sister girl was singing, I just was so attracted to that woman, I could run to the stage and just grab her. <laughs> Don't tell her I feel that. <laughs> you see, that there's a physical attraction that all of us have at some point or the other. So, but you know that attraction is what leads to romance and it leads to passion. And what I'm suggesting to all of us today. You have to find the flame. There's a flame of attraction. It's like a fire. And if you don't find that flame, then that fire will go out. And then you find yourself making love to each other, and you don't even enjoy it. It's like making love to a piece of log, a wood. Don't turn me up. <laughs> for being so brutally honest. You don't want that. So find that flame. You say, Pastor, how do I find the flame? Well, it could be just spending time together. It could be just talking, communicate with one another. It could be doing little things. Uh, buy a flower, buy a gift, go on vacation, do something. But you have to find the flame. You say, what am I going to do? Well, you know exactly what your husband likes. You know exactly what your wife likes. If you don't know that, you need to find out. And one thing everybody, every lover likes is time together. Affection. Everybody loves to be Everybody loves to be. Ooh, I can feel it. <laughs> so you have to raise that child called attraction in the house. Remember, there's a second child called friction. Every relationship has friction. You know why? Because you have two different people, two different gender, male, female, 
two people that are raised in different homes, with different background, with different takes in life. So there's, go, there's always going to be a friction. But how you manage that friction will determine how long your marriage is going to last. If you don't manage that friction, my friend, guess what's going to happen? Your love life will die. I don't want that to be your portion. So manage that child friction. How do you do that? I'm sure you want to ask me. It's very simple. It's called compromise. The Bible talks about how you communicate with each other. He said, don't let the sun go down when you get angry with your partner. In other words, don't carry your frustration today to the next day. The Bible says, talking about communication, be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. Some of you messed up your marriage because you're running your mind. And then you run that man out. Or you run that woman out. The Bible says be slow. Slow to speak. Be quick to listen. And be slow to get angry. The Bible is so clear. On how we can make it. You have to manage. You have to, you have to compromise. You see like in my own house. We have a lot of compromising to do. When we go, when we travel out of town, my wife loves shopping. She wants to stop, stop at every little town to shop. It drives me crazy. I hate shopping. I want to get in the car and drive straight. I'm very goal-oriented, very goal-directed. If we're going to California, baby, get in the car. Let's go straight to California. To her, that's boring. She would rather stop every little time and check out the store. It makes my head, whoo, Jesus. Well, how are we going to make it? Have we so, how did we survive for 34 years? It's very simple. It's called compromise. So before we leave home, I will sit down with her. I know what you like to do. I know what I like to do. You want to stop in every time. I don't have time for stopping. Okay, how many stores along the way? 25 stores. Okay, can we agree that we're going to stop only at seven stores, not 25? Okay, she said, all right, I'll work with you. Let's make it 10 stores. So we negotiate, we compromise, and then I'll be at the pain of stopping and then <laughs> you see how this thing works? <laughs> I'll give you another example. My wife loves antique stuff. I hate antique stuff. I like to buy new stuff. I don't like to buy used car. I don't like to buy used furniture. You know why? It's not because I have attitude, but because I was born and raised in poverty. Now the Lord has blessed me. I can afford to buy stuff. So I don't want to see any old used stuff in my house. Wait, that's what she like. She thinks antique stuff 
old stuff are much more beautiful and more durable. Well, how are we going to live in the same house? Well, some of you, you have visited my house. We just reached a compromise. I furnished one side of the house. She furnished the other side of the house. Everybody is happy. <laughs> you see, you can do it. Even when we make love, you say, oh, no, don't go there, Reverend. Yes, I will. <laughs> see, I love to see what I'm doing. I want the lights on so I can see clearly. <laughs> she like all the lights to be off. Again, Houston, we got problems. How do we live together for 30-something years in marriage? It's called compromise. Guess what we end up doing? We get a demon in our bedroom. So we kind of dim the light. We don't allow complete darkness, but we don't allow complete light. So nobody wins. We reach a compromise. You know what I'm trying to tell you? Let's re-energize our love life. Wouldn't it be nice, not just in the natural, but in the spirit? Wouldn't it be nice if you can re-energize your love life in the natural and you re-energize your love life in the spirit? Whoa, you have the best of both worlds. The book of Songs of Solomon ends on this note. I love it. In chapter 8, it says there are many waters, but no water can quench the spirit of true love. Whoa. It says there are many rivers, and that's so true in the world, but it says no river can drown the spirit of true love. What a way to end a book. I pray that your love light will be re-energized re and requinded. I pray that heaven will, 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 will give a boost to your love light. That you and your man, you and your woman, you begin excited again that you long for each other, that you desire one another, that you seek each other. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will bless your marriage. It is so. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. I love you with the love of the Lord. If you need prayer, you say, Pastor, thank you, but I'm going through some rough time right now in my relationship. There's a number under the screen. Call that number. Ask somebody to pray with you. I know what it is to be going 